This is UKFI Pod. Welcome, y'all. As the first UK specific FI podcast, UKFI Pod aims to bring you stories and introduce you to characters in the UKFI space. Hello, um, this is Mrs. YFG. And I am introducing and interviewing Miss CU today. Um, So the tables have somewhat turned. Um, Welcome, Miss CU. Oh, hi. Welcome to your own podcast. I know. It feels strange on the other side of the microphone. (laughs) So how kind of you to join. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to run through kind of the, the same format that we've had for other podcasts and things. And hopefully we can get some kind of more information about you and the person behind your blog and your podcast and hopefully um you'll really enjoy it um i'm quite intrigued actually to hear the answers so um i'll start off if that's all right yeah fabulous so how would you introduce yourself to people interested in fi let's say for in in one minute yeah, so I'm a lady in my late 30s working in London, lucky enough to have a high income, which allows me the privilege of saving for financial independence. And so far, it's going great, and it's likely I'll be fully financial independent in two or three years, and then able to move on to the next phase of my life, which is going to be really good fun. I'm planning on going traveling. Yeah, yeah, you have some pretty cool plans for, for all your travels. Can you Can you share any of them? Oh, certainly. So I've been learning Chinese, so I'm really, really keen to go and spend quite a bit of time in China and actually perfect my Chinese, which would be great fun. I have lots of other countries I want to go and visit as well. There's just so much out there, and I think I've seen so little of the world. (laughs) Yeah. Would you ever travel kind of – would it just be kind of on your own backpacking, or would you take someone along with you? Uh, probably a mixture. Most of it's probably going to be on my own backpacking, but I love having travelling companions, friends, family that come along for bits. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Okay, so um, in terms of you mentioned that you you earn relatively good money at the moment, um, and I know you have pretty a pretty flexible job that allows you to work from home, which is really nice. Um, what sort of line of work are you in? Yeah, so I work in IT and the technology side and data. So I spend my day doing a mixture of programming, managing stakeholders, and lots of random things, really. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. I love being able to do a mixture. Yeah, yeah. Is it quite long hours? It can vary. I work freelance, so it's project to project. Some are quite hardcore. Others are more 35-hour weeks. And mm-hmm. That's really good. So do you generally kind of get approached by the same company to do your job or if if a project ends will you then kind of take a bit of time off and go out into the market to look for something else yeah so I try and run contracts back to back and yeah well if I know what's going to end I'll start looking asking around and seeing what's out there great um so you obviously kind of have been working for a while and and you're you're settled you've already got your own home and everything but how how did you come into the fire community i mean how did it become a thing for you yeah i think it's something i've been sort of vaguely aware about for about 10 years or so various you know incarnations and thoughts of it i've always been on the sort of frugal not spending too much money side i think when i really sort of dug in and got involved 
was when I started earning six figures and realized it's this concept of having lots of money and not really sure what thing I should be doing with it was. <laughs> it's a lovely problem to have. But you yeah. do find a lot of the people in, I mean, me and Mr. YFG were discussing the other day, you find that a lot of people actually get to that point in their career where they do earn good money and they think, well, what am I saving this for? Where am I putting it? And is is there a chance I don't need to earn this anymore? Um, so it's quite interesting. Yeah, because I think I've definitely optimized my career for maximum earning potential. I certainly like working and it's great fun, but if I didn't need the money or didn't want the money, I might do something different. So that's certainly in my future if I plans as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would, would you, you mentioned you want to go traveling, uh, let's say when you hit five, but would you ever rule out working again? Oh, not at all. Definitely not rule it out. I've got several variations of things I'd love to do when, when I'm FI. I think it's great that I have so much, so many options. I love the idea of working for a startup or doing my own startup or working in the non-profit world. That sort of thing. So yeah, I definitely never rule anything out. Yeah, no, so far, it's definitely you won't retire early and, and do nothing for you. I mean, not many people do nothing, I suppose, but, but the retirement is less important to you, but more the freedom. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely more the freedom and the owning your own schedule and owning where you have to be as well. So be able to go around the world or that is just amazing to me. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, so, so how long do you, do you know how long you've got left to go in terms of years or months or where are you on the journey? Yeah, so I'm probably about halfway in from when I ratcheted everything up. So that was a five year plan about two and a half years ago. So I think in two and a half years it will all be, the numbers will be right as well. It's all, I suppose, a bit variable. You know, markets aren't looking too good at the moment. No, I was going to say it's been a, it's been a bit pretty painful month, and obviously the people who do invest a lot, you you do notice um, when there are market shocks, and it kind of makes you even more determined. Exactly, and I think at the end of the day, my numbers are probably quite conservative, and I probably could spend an awful lot less than I would need to in the future. So, bearing all that in mind as well, they also is other. I've also my plans are all quite tied in with things like you know you guys love your guinea pigs. I've got my cat that I love, <laughs> and my cat's quite old as well. So it's, I'm oh. obviously staying staying here till the end of his life as well. <laughs> oh, bless him! How old is he? Seventeen. Oh, wow. Okay, he's a proper old man. Yeah. What's him? Tom. Tom. Oh, Tom. Oh, okay, that's classic. Exactly. So I think it's good to spend a few more years working, build it, um, enjoy Tom's life here. Oh, yeah, he'll be utterly spoiled. That'll be lovely. Um, so in terms of fire, I mean, obviously we discussed kind of there's a lot of people in the community who earn very good money. Um, and do you think that fire is something that other people, let's say, on, on a normal or mid-range or basic salary would be able to achieve? Is, is fire for everyone in that respect? Yeah, I would say probably not. I think it could be for everyone, but for it to really be for everyone, because let's be honest, it is quite a privilege having a large enough income that you can say say ha- save half of it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think everyday pot could get there, but possibly people might not be willing to take the sacrifices or even want to, to be honest. 
yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's kind of two elements. Not many people earn as much as as other people in in the fire community do, and two, not many people save as much proportionately than people as people in the fire community do. So you kind of think somebody's got to be willing to go out of their comfort zone to earn more if they can, but they've also got to be able to save all that money. Um, and some people just don't want to do that or just haven't got the ability. Exactly. And some people, their priorities are elsewhere, which is perfectly fair. Some people want to take time off to spend with their children or they prefer going more luxury holidays or they prefer spending their money on hobbies and that's entirely valid in their choice. Yeah, that's the thing. This is just what we want to do. And we've got our own little underground community. Well, it's ground now, I suppose. It's picked up a bit of mainstream news. I saw a BBC article. Yeah, I saw actually. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, about Barney. So that was quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, okay. So if somebody was, let's say, new to the FI concept um, and they approached you, what would be kind of a top tip that you would give them? Yeah, so if somebody was a newbie, I'd probably most advice is personal. It's best to understand exactly where someone's coming from. So I'd start with the real basics and making sure do they understand what money they're spending and if they don't put together a simple way of tracking that. Mm-hmm. You know, I use no, an app. There's loads of different ways. You can use the notepad or you can just do it at the end of the month to get the bank statement out and work out what's disappeared. There's many yeah. different ways and many different layers of simplicity and complexity. And then on the other side, making sure people actually know what comes in. Because lots of people know their salary, especially in the UK, before tax. Mm-hmm. But lots of people can't quite work out what they actually get in their account each month. Yeah. No, no, it's true, though. But being able to interpret your payslip and even take advantage of things like salary sacrifice, you know, can often be a, a first step. Definitely. Um, and do you do you use say do you use an app? Because I, I I don't like the banking apps. I don't like the idea of giving them you know access to my bank account. We just use a good old Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I use the Toshel app, which just to track my expenses. So similarly, I don't let anybody have access to my bank accounts or that, and I manually put them in. But I think manually putting them is quite good as well. You get to see them and get a reminder. And once it becomes, I've done it for years, so it becomes so automatic that. It's not really a big deal because you've usually got your phone with you or a laptop. Yeah, yeah, and it makes you think, doesn't it? Um, when you when you track it and you actually have to input the money, input the amount into the app, it makes you think. Yeah, and when you categorise it as well, you're thinking, is this really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I? Think that? Um, yeah, I think leisure is my big category, but then I think I put everything fun in leisure, so <laughs> <laughs> everything is fun, <laughs> neat. Um. Okay, so if if somebody was there, and let's say they they track their expenses, they've done the basics. If they're say intermediate level, um, do you have any tips for anyone at that level? Yeah, so I suppose once you've got a got a what's the word, you've got a grasp of the basics, you understand where you are. Is having a look at where you want to be. You know, is there ways you can cut your spending? Is there ways you can increase your income? And are you taking advantage of most of the tax tax deferred accounts? We've got ISAs, which are amazing in the UK. A whole 20k each year you can save and invest tax free. Look at pensions, although they've got a later access age, but the salary sacrifice and the salary tax deferral is amazing on them. So it's starting to look at them and look at the longer term plan. So yeah. Look at what yeah. suits your life. Does it suit your life to cut your expenses more or look at increasing your income, maximizing tax efficiency? 
and start working out which one of those levers works for you? No, definitely. I think it's, I like the, the concept of kind of the three levers uh, of phi and, and realizing that you can put all your effort into one, but if you don't do anything about the other two, then kind of you're making life a bit harder for yourself. Um, so just optimizing that, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many different options. You could go full in 110%, but most people probably couldn't maintain that for long. So it's working out what they're taking out the things that are painless to you. You know, there's things I don't spend money on because I don't really care about them, but other people would be much painful and vice versa. Yeah, definitely. Um, and let's say someone who kind of is at your level, really, uh, someone who's a few years from FI. Um, is there any guidance you could give them? I suppose it's mainly about staying the course and keeping up keeping on track you know and there's obviously varying different approaches here some people use their time when they're this was very affluent and steady in the finances to take more risky investments whereas other people just keep on the plan the index funds and keep going to five so there's many options you know you could even go into business at this time i personally prefer this or lower risk just keep going on the index funds investing yeah, no, there's, there is a kind of a, a difficulty with keeping going, and I know what you mean by that. I think I've got a few years to go, let's say two to three years, I think. And um, it's it's the idea that, oh, I want to do all these things after I hit five. And then you're like, well, my life's more miserable just thinking about things I can't do now, but I want to do in two or three years' time. And in that respect, I kind of delay things and you stop living your life and I think it's really important to kind of live still live in the moment and not delay things exactly. until you try. Yeah, that's why I do lots of things that are things I want to do in five but maybe smaller scale. I do lots of European travel. Lots of weekends away. Which is great and something you can still fit in when working. Yeah. Now that's I think I've struggled with that a lot. Um kind of thinking, oh I can't do this and being resentful because I'm still in work. And thinking, oh, I'll do this when I'm fine. And then you think, well, why not do it now if it would improve your life and make you happier? And it's what you genuinely want to do, like doing arts and crafts or hobbies or, you know, even exercise, going back to the gym, things like that. Um, trying to make a concerted effort to do those things now and not just delayed gratification for later. Exactly. Yeah. And there's definitely loads you can do now fitting alongside a full time job. Yeah. No, definitely. So. I mean, in terms of what you do like to do then, you mentioned traveling and European travel definitely, and you've got Tom obviously to look after, um, but what are your favorite things to do? What are your hobbies? Oh, I've got loads of them. At the moment, I, <laughs> I love running, although I'm a terrible runner. I'm very slow, but I really love it. It's great stress relief. I put a podcast on and go out running for a good few hours. You get to see places. I love running places when I'm on holiday as well and just seeing different places. Or just pounding the streets of London, going through the parks and seeing different sides. It's good fun. I also like a bit of yoga, but I'm less good at that. Uh, also, I'm learning Chinese, which is great fun as well. And uh, it's really sort of opens your mind in a way you weren't expecting it to. Just the way <laughs> they use words, the way the cultures developed the same time as our European and Latin cultures, but they did things in different ways. As I was telling somebody the last, the other night in the pub, um, even things like colours. They were expressed differently in China. They have a word that's green and blue. They had together as one colour. Oh, wow. Initially. That's really interesting. The, the language, obviously, the, the language is, is very interesting in terms of the kanji. The, the, well, the Japanese obviously call it 
kanji, but it's the the visual um, representation of a word. Yeah. And multiple words or a sentence can be made up of you know three symbols. Um, and it's fascinating how the entire meaning of something can change based on one symbol being used. You know, regardless of grammar. It's all about visual interpretation. Yeah, and it's really fascinating because lot of the, we get taught lots of what the history of the symbols, the, the hanzi they're called are, and lots of them are made by several made together, and their, meani- their meanings are really cu- clear from that, which is great. And then there's other hanzi as well. There's lots that they've made to mimic English words, mm-hmm. like the sofa, the sofa and ha-ha and bye. <laughs> Amazing. They should have, oh, I hope they have one for guinea pig. They must do. I know pig, but I don't know guinea pig. <laughs> More fluffy creature. Um, oh, they're so cute. Um, sorry, I'm just watching him now. Um, getting completely distracted, and Mr. Wafty is, is bowing his head in shame in the corner. I was see, how are they doing with the fireworks? <laughs> they're all right, actually. I think they, they care so little. Um, they're, they're not very intelligent, so they don't really have a concept of it being dangerous. They just think, oh, there's another, there's another sound. I mean, they are used to listening to and watching movies and stuff and films with, you know, bangs or gunfire or whatever in them. We like mafia movies, so um, they're used to that. <laughs> Very dark upbringing. But yeah, so um, in terms of, I think now I'm now I'm thinking, fireworks, bonfire kind of a link now to the next topic which I know is coming up um, in terms of kind of environmentalism and let's say you know climate change and social kind of issues um, I know one of the questions is kind of what are your thoughts on it and how do you see there being a link between let's say living frugally fi and the kind of environmental and eco-friendly kind of group and community yeah i think they're definitely linked whether it's accidental or deliberate i don't know personally i'm definitely not a very good environmentalist i wish i could be better i just happen to be good quite good at things that are accidentally frugal things as well like i'm not a big Mm -hmm. buyer of things not a big don't get through much plastic or anything like that don't eat meat those things so i'm accidentally very good at it but I do think I really should do better. I probably should up my recycling game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of guilt tripping, to be honest, um, with with the community because you know everyone does their best, but it's it will take a lot to turn around a lifetime of, let's say, you know, supermarkets using plastic and everything. And I think yeah, the little things we can do all help. I mean, I, yeah, I don't meet eat, eat meat eat. I don't eat meat either. Uh, I stopped that a few years ago. So have you have you always been veggie, or well, is it kind of a... years? So yeah. Oh wow! What made you ch- what made you convert? It was so at the time of the BSE crisis. Oh right. And from then, I think I stopped eating beef, then stopped eating chicken, then stopped eating fish. Yeah, and never went back. Yeah. Have you ever considered? I mean, or tried out? veganism or is that something that's I'm a bit not too good at being a vegan most of my main meals are vegan actually but it's all the other stuff i quite like like yogurt and cake and chocolate oh yeah chocolate and yeah things like cheese and milk and things would be very difficult yeah. i think i tried for a time but i found it very expensive and also i i lived on 
worse food, if you get my meaning. There's a lot of potato and mm. and bread involved mm. um, because, of course, that's their kind of staples that you know you can eat. Exactly. Um, yeah. And things like I like milk in my tea and things like that. And that and having soya milk and almond milk is, isn't that great. Not in tea. No, it it it, it ruins tea. Um, and also, no, it's not probably not fair because, of course, Mister Wifey doesn't it doesn't go on any special diet. Um, so it would be kind of unfair to restrict him to to vegans. Yeah. So I can do a ve- vegan. Most of my meals happen to be vegan, so that's good. But not it's the snacks and the peripherals. I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you like to cook at home then? I do. Yes, I have a. So shall we say a very spicy palate. I love flavorful foods and lots of spices and herbs. Things like I like making Indian food and making your own curry and chili in this season since it's getting cold. Like making these like homemade pizza. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Now a good a slow cooker is like the best thing in winter because you can just kind of leave it. I've just been worse than out. that. But I've got an agar. What have you got? <gasps> <Permanent> <gasps> slow oh cooker. Oh my god, a proper have you got like a really old house then or is it is it just does it just happen to have an agar in it? Oh no, I, I just happen to buy it an agar. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. They're quite I mean they're huge, aren't they? They they run all the time, don't they? As in they're, they're constantly it's on. It's a huge as well, yeah. Yeah, because it, it does your essentially does some of your central heating. Exactly. Do, do you find it difficult to cook on? Because obviously I mean you can't regulate the temperature as easily. It suits my lazy fear method of cooking. <laughs> I've never really like followed the recipes. I'm more than the bung it in a pot and stir it type person, yeah. Leave it in and hope for the best. Yeah. No, I I would say an an arga is, is quite posh. Um and also aren't they do, do you ha- did you have to get because they get delivered and they're like massive and they weigh so much and they have to be kind of yeah special it was put I in. was getting the kitchen done anyway, so because it was old. It was older than me when I bought this house, the kitchen. So when I was getting that done, I had to get the nice kitchen fitter to get his mate round to reinforce the floor joists. Yeah, it's because so, it's, it's a huge number of iron. Yeah, gosh, okay. sorry, I get obsessed yeah. because I, I the, the ultimate status symbol to me. Growing up in the mid is kind of if somebody had an arga, they were a posh person. Of course, we didn't have a cargo. <laughs> I just think I've got a strange sort of P-shaped kitchen and it just sort of fitted in perfectly. Yeah. I know that's great. Yeah. That sounds lovely. It's great for doing those sort of things and things like drying the laundry above it. It's fabulous. Oh, lovely. I think well, it leads me nicely on to the next topic, um, as in posh people. <laughs> but it, in terms of kind of, we spoke earlier about Spy not being for everyone, and we're quite lucky that we are in an income band that actually allows us to be even close to Fi. Um, but do you, I know you appreciate that, um, but in terms of, do you ever blog about that um, and kind of equality and privilege and how that comes into your, your appreciation of what Fi means to you? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. It's definitely something I probably should talk about more. But yeah, we are in a situation where the country seems to be getting a bit more and more unequal. And it's like, what we can do to solve that problem? I don't think there's an easy way, an easy solution. There's multiple barriers people face, and 
I think what it comes down to, I suppose, is people's expectations for their lives and their future and aspirations and how people are, are, I suppose, brought up with very, very different aspirations. Yeah, and different concepts of money as well. I think we we were having the conversation, me and Mr. Mr. YFG, the other day about advice we're very interested we're so fun you know on like a friday night we'll have a, a talk about fca regulation and rdr um we are so exciting um but we did have a chat about you know the fact that people with money need financial advice and they can pay for it because they have so much money that actually they may have tax consequences for having that much money whereas at the other end of the scale the people who are barely making um, a living, a living hand to mouth, and maybe not making the best financial decisions, um, which may not help their situation. They can't afford to pay for financial advice. They don't see the point in it. Mm-hmm. Yet they're the people who desperately need it. Um, but they can only go to an FCA regulated advisor who will charge them for it. Um, so it's very difficult because you think, well, the people who who need the help are the people without the money, whereas the people with the money can pay for the help. Yeah, and there's definitely a bit of a gulf in the middle as well. There are people that are really, really struggling, and there is some free advice, but sometimes that's hard people to access and hard to get in the right place for the right people at the right time. And then in the middle, there's obviously plenty of savings advice, but probably not a lot of advice for people to start investing or to start getting (laughs) people more comfortable with taking a bit of risk with their assets. And that's probably a big gulf because between before then you then have to go to a proper regulated advisor and be advised. And that's probably a bit of cost and probably puts people off, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I was, to be honest, I wasn't a fan of investing or index funds until I was forced into it by my husband, essentially. You know, he met me and I had everything in cash ISAs, very, very low rate cash ISAs. Um, and so he introduced me to it, but it, it took him to force me to kind of do it because I was scared. And regardless of whether my job actually involves advising on investments, when it comes to it personally, it, it feels like a huge risk. And I still, you know, would not be comfortable with doing anything active. Oh, um, my, um, so yeah, I mean, do you, do you kind of blog about? Your investments, or, or where you? I'm but I'm really not that exciting an investor. All my money's in index trackers, and the only vaguely exciting thing is where they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So where where would that? Yeah, be? I'm quite heavy on emerging markets. So about twenty odd percent in emerging markets. I'm trying to run down my UK exposure because, as they keep telling you, we're a lot of home market bias and the UK is only about 7% of the world really Yeah. whereas lots of people in the UK hold 50 more than 50% of the UK yeah no I completely agree that a lot of the focus is on the, the UK FTSE funds um, or on the US kind of trackers yeah. um, people I think people generally and even I do you know associate non-UK with it with a relative level of risk um but no that's really interesting i mean in terms of uh, do you do you have kind of your company pension as well that you have separately or do you have a sip or other ices and things yeah i have a sip because it's self-employed so yeah so it's great fun i get to control that as well 
No, that's yeah, and if I'm lucky enough to fill up my stock and shares ISAs for years, so that's quite good as well. No, that's a sensible thing to do. I mean, when did you start kind of investing? Did you uh, do that immediately? I know you said you've been interested in FI, you know, over more than 10 years. Um, but when did you start actively kind of moving things into a portfolio? So yeah, that's a good good question actually because I think I've always had like company pensions years ago but never really paid that much attention to them but then I did at least some of you actually I did have lots of things lots of cash eyes and things like that and various little sort of investment things I was playing with but I didn't really commit a lot of money to because I didn't really understand them so it probably only was about six seven years ago that I really started moving seriously moving money into investments and Pushing more than this was dipping a toe in the water. Mm. Nowadays, I hardly yeah. anything in cash, but it's probably went along the same time scales as interest rates going down. Mm-hmm. As the rates went down and yeah. down, you're like, well, there's not really a point in this anymore, is there? No, I rem- I mean, I vividly remember having a Bradford, Bradford and Bingley savings account and a little book. Um, and the interest rate was something, you know, eight eight percent or something. When I had these little these little savings accounts, and gone are the days when you would get any kind of good return now. Exactly, yeah. and it was fine for a while when the interest rates were down to like three percent, and we had no inflation. But then when it started going the other way, it's like, well, money is really losing. And I think my parents as well don't invest and don't believe in it as well. So I've got that mindset oh, really? to think because they're civil servants. So yeah. they will work for the government, get a steady salary, get a steady government gold plated pension that doesn't involve any investing. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're some of the lucky ones. Um, my father, bless him, is too young for DB, so he's literally on the cusp. Ooh. Um, and so he joined just after the final salary schemes closed. And so he's kind of one of the first generation that are now coming up to retiring and, um, without a final salary pension um and he's i mean he's he's very much kind of investments and he's very savvy about it all um but unfortunately he was just born at the wrong time yeah but yeah so in in terms of kind of in in investments and spreadsheets and tracking do you kind of do a monthly reconciliation we that's what we do. Um, or how do you keep track of everything? Yeah, I do. Um, I keep my net worth and update all my accounts monthly. I do have a look at other things when I feel like it. Like I have a Yahoo portfolio set up that I can see what, how things are doing on a daily basis. That I check occasionally when things are looking a bit interesting or when I see some news that makes me think, oh. Yeah, what's That's happening there? Yeah, see how much it goes up and down by. Yeah, it gives me flights sometimes, but I'm trying to get more comfortable with seeing the volatility. Yeah, I think that's difficult. I think it was difficult this month, or at least when we were accounting for October mm. um, and after the market crash and seeing the figures was quite sobering. Um, but then you remember that it, it evens out in the long run, hopefully. Exactly. I'm trying to have an equal reaction when I see I'm down 10 grand, when I see I'm up 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be a bit more, yeah, relaxed about it. But that's the thing, you know, it, it, your your plans and everything are wound up in that number and we're all dependent on that number so um i mean if have you got a number then that you're aiming for and then once you hit that would you would you pull the trigger 
or is it more of a I'll see when my next project ends and see where I'm looking at you know where what position I'm in at that it's point it's a combination of all I've got several numbers I've got a really good number and I think I'll be okay with number and I'll see where I'm work wise and things at the time as well yeah so I'm aiming for um, 750k is my good number <laughs> but I think 700k yeah. would also be fine so yeah it's the thing and I mean you never it's not as if you kind of walk out of the the fine community um, sorry you walk out of the job and and never come back to earning a wage um I think some people have a very kind of narrow view of what early retirement is exactly yeah there were so many options as well because even especially in my line of work going missing for a few years and coming back is not an unheard of thing so going with I'm just imagining and she was never heard from again <laughs> then turn her off to change the name <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that would that would be a bit dark um but yeah no that sounds really good i think yeah for me i mean there's a number w- at which i think mr wfg is going to tell me it's okay kind of you know you you could yeah you you could leave if you wanted to um but i, I don't know whether i would at that point so i've, I've still got to assess that that'll probably not be for another two or three years yeah, Interesting. Uh, in one of my older projects, I was working with a guy who was 68, and he was basically just working because he liked it. <laughs> and he was going, yeah. my accountant keeps and telling me every year I don't actually need to work. And he's going, but I like it. Yeah, that would be lovely. And I mean, that that's what I'd aim for. You know, I, I mean, I don't know where you see yourself, but I see myself maybe volunteering or kind of doing citizen's advice or something like that. Because I, I love to talk, as you know. I can, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey, and I like people. Um, and I think if I can give up my time, you know, for free, be paid maybe, but even for free, that would be lovely. Um, I mean, what kind of, would you ever want to get involved in kind of charity projects or volunteer or where would your heart lie? Oh, definitely. I think I'm, uh, similar to what we were saying before, I'm actually already quite invol- involved in a few, I, few places, which is great. I volunteer in a financial literacy place, which is great. I'm on the board there. It's a brilliant. And I also run the board of a feminist charity, which is great. Well, that's great. So, I mean, those two things sound really interesting. So, the the financial literacy thing is that aimed at, um, like either children or adults, or is it open to everyone? It's open to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, do you run it? Do you do it kind of through a charity and a, or or a, a local support group or? through a school or how did you find that um, i just happened to stumble across the organization they were vol- they were recruiting for volunteers and applied yeah that's really cool, cool. yeah and i know they're looking for volunteers that are professionally yeah. qualified and yeah and that's a really nice way to kind of give back or at, least, or at least just get a different exposure to different kinds of people completely true that and, and i mean even in your circles of friends or people you know, you know, the conversations you have or your assumptions about the future and the fact you have pensions and investments and savings or that you own your own house is, is completely sometimes alien to other people who have no concept of, you know, having a pension um, or, wh- or why it matters. So that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's great fun. It makes you feel that you're doing something and good to know that there are people out there doing the right thing. And helping everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, and I know your, um, so your feminist charity, I know that that's obviously a, a cause very close to your heart. And I love 
kind of your blog and what it stands for and everything. Um, and it would be lovely to kind of hear your views on how Fi interacts with, with feminism and how why it's so important. Yeah, I think it comes back to the inequality and the privilege conversation that sadly in the world today we are living in a patriarchy where men have had all the power for the thousands of years of civilization and we are obviously slowly trying to correct the situation you know starting to allow women to work allow women to vote allow women to have opinions mm-hmm. <laughs> these how nice these, of them but these, these sort of changes will, are coming slowly you know they're still in even very liberal circles people feel women should do certain things and men should do certain things as well and it's going to take us a long time both for women to be allowed to function as breadwinners earning money in positions of power and similarly for men being allowed to be caretakers caregivers look after the children and decide not to work for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and it's important because i think it's it's not even actively people don't actively go out into the world and um act in a way that kind of disadvantages women or or other social groups it's more that there are societal norms and the way that people have been brought up is just kind of integrated in how it works like for example if a man was let's say a a caregiver at home or he was part-time that would be seen as unusual um whereas it needs to be more usual and there's just lots of little things that you don't realize until they are like lots of men who look after their children Say, do you know how many gents' toilets have nappy-changing facilities? Yeah, yeah, none. Yeah, or even, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh-huh, so society's just set up, assumed that it'll be a female that has the baby. And similarly, that affects you know, men's employment prospects as well. If you're looking for a nanny, how many people employ a man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even teachers. You know, a man, let's say, wanting to be a primary school teacher or something like that. Um, or care for children of a young age or, or open a child care centre or be a child minder. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's It works mm-hmm. both ways in that respect. Definitely. And I think we've got great momentum nowadays for things to change and people really are starting to realise that perhaps, especially in the era of Me Too, there has perhaps been some, a small minority of men that have really abused that power that's, and that cover that society has given them to wield that power and they're finding yeah. it a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, with with enough money and enough and enough power and enough lawyers to keep people quiet, you know, you, you can get away yeah. with a lot. And they, they've perhaps had the idea that they are privileged because they are in a position of power that that's what they're allowed to do. So it's great that we are having those conversations and things are starting to change. Yeah, and it'll only get better, I suppose. Um, this is kind of maybe the start. Or maybe this year actually has probably been one of the biggest um, kind of upheavals in terms of women and the feminist movement. Definitely. And if you think about it, long tail, there's been millions or thousands of years of documented civilization that women have been second-class citizens, 100 years from the vote, probably about 50 years where women are allowed to keep their job after they get married. Yeah, and we see it as archaic, and, and how could it possibly have been that way? But for, for most women, for hundreds of years, it was, and it wasn't questioned. Exactly, yeah, and it's just all those societal norms. Like One of my favourite ladies, Caroline Christina, she's a really great feminist and she writes books and her Twitter account's great to follow but her latest project is looking at how the world is designed for men and she goes from things that some people I think are a bit frivolous to some really serious things like iPhones, they're generally designed for men's mm-hmm. hands yeah, oh, really? I think so. 
well, they fit they fit most men's hands, but they're a bit big for women's. I was going to say, yeah, no, that's why I've got a teeny tiny yeah. iPhone SE. There's only one that fits women, most, most normal women, and things like the tube, the yeah. handrails are generally attached yeah. oh, yeah. the right size for most men, but probably not all women, to be honest. Well, and they're too, yep. they're too high at the top of the teeth. Like, I literally exactly. can't reach them. So they're designed for men, yeah. things like seatbelts and crash test dummies. All the crash test dummies used to be men. And still, they yeah. only use the men for the tests, apparently. So they've not got, like, a female crash test dummy or a pregnant crash test dummy or a child crash test dummy. Yeah, no, seatbelt fits you very differently when you're pregnant. Exactly, and has serious implications. So it's just little things like that. We're starting to think about things yeah. that we can think about, but it's just the norm. You know, we designed mm-hmm. work for men. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I mean, that's kind of one of, I suppose that's the main feeling or, or the main kind of target of your blog, isn't it, isn't it really? I mean, it is styled as, you know, a wo- woman's fire journey, oh, really. Because I think women and men experience everyday life in a very different way. You know, not many, mm-hmm. not many, <laughs> many men have sex, feature of sexual harassment at work and discriminatory policies and those sort of things. And similarly, not many women are challenged if they want to, or feature any backlash if they want to spend time with their children. So it is a different yeah. approach and different yeah. lived experiences people have. Yeah, and it's important that there are women who blog in their own right about FI as well, because that's it's not something that is as common. Um, and I mean, even me, I can't talk. I, I blog on my husband's blog, so you know, it's it, it's important to have that. I mean, when did you start? blogging kind of what was the the the, the spark that um yeah, set it I've off? been talking about starting it for ages but as you know I never quite got around to it and thinking about it but then I saw a post that um, Angela tread lightly retired early started about the women of the financial independence movement and I thought that mm-hmm. would be my spark and I then that evening you know got online and bought a domain name and well the rest is history as you've said but that was just a spark that made me think yeah. People think it's mostly a male pursuit, which a problem oh, is. Yeah, and where and where did the name? And where did the name see you? Oh yeah, that from? took me a while. Most of my time that evening was trying to find the domain that I liked yeah. and had symbolism. So Ms stands for the feminist cause, and I'll always be Ms if I'm married, single, or whatever. I feel it's another inherently sexist part of society that people like your garage or your dentist seem to care if you're married or not, if you're female, but not if you're male. Yeah, yeah, and that it matters like somebody's. They're like, are you a Miss, Ms, or Mrs? Yeah, that's the thing. It just doesn't matter, you know, whether you're. Yeah, it's hilarious. I think one of my friends said something about somebody said, "Are you Miss, Miss, or Mrs?" And she went, "Doctor." (laughs) (laughs) Quite hilarious. Um, But yeah, so and that's the ZL is in Chinese for freedom. Oh, so it's Ziyao. Sorry, I call it Ziyu. So it's Ziyao. Yeah, it's not really a matter of the pronunciation, but yeah. And then I found, oh, them, that's found really... a domain that was free and it all worked nicely. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Uh, no, I, I always wondered where um, Miss Ziyao came from. And now I know that. Oh, no, that's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, can you tell me a bit more about your blog, for example, um, how. Do people connect with you um, about the podcast? Which channels is it on? Um, if people can e- people email you or, or are you on Twitter? Yeah, certainly. So the best place to contact me is have a look at the blog. It's www.missio.com. 
com. Um, there's lots and lots of interesting articles there. The features, obviously, feminism, fire, money posts. I've started a new series, which is really interesting, called Financial Feminists, which is profiling lots of other personal finance bloggers that are taking the label feminist proudly, which is fascinating. So you can contact me. There's a contact page on the blog. I'm always on Twitter all the time. And my handle is Ms. underscore Zia. So that's there. And another thing I've started recently is the podcast. this podcast. So that's on ukfipod.space. And you can email me on hello at ukfipod.space as well. Okay. That's great. So I think this is where we have the, the kind of hot seat questions that um, you ask everyone. I think we've covered maybe one of them already. But um, this is one I was thinking about the other day. I don't know who got me thinking about it, but um, what would you do with a one million pound windfall? Oh, that would be great if a windfall came my way. It'd be amazing. What I would do, I put, there was an article on the blogs. So we did a bit of a thought experiment about it. But I keep, say, the first 200k. And then I'd be at my FI number and think, wow, that is amazing. And then I'd start making plans to do good things with the rest of it. The bulk of it, I'd donate to charities that are in line with my causes of improving financial literacy, feminist charities, helping women that have experienced maybe a more difficult life than I have. Mm-hmm. So I'd definitely keep money yeah, there and keep a bit of it back, think about maybe seeding a startup or for undisclosed things in the future. So yeah, I wouldn't spend it all. No, really- do anything that exciting, really. No, it was, it was funny because I was speaking to to Mr. Worthy, and he said, "Oh well, I'd I'd invest it in my in my index fund. I put a much as much away as I could um, every year into an ISA and just and just whittle it down." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you sad human being!" But um, <laughs> but it it is funny how. That kind of money means so much, something so different for the buyer community. For other people, it means, you know, for example, buy a helicopter or get a new house. But for us, it, it just means take what yeah. I need and then the rest is for someone else or for family or for friends. Or, yeah, like you, I'd give some to charity and give some to family and friends if I don't need it. Exactly, yeah. I think we're more used yeah. to using money as a tool rather than money for spending sake. Yeah, and it's it's knowing what's mm-hmm. enough, and it's so important to know when you have enough, and after you have that, yeah, you don't need anything else. And so, um, so the next question, I think I know the answer to this already. But when did you last update your financial? Well, it was just on the first of the month. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do the same. We grab a glass of wine, go and sit in the office, and update the spreadsheet. Um, and I'm like, can we do the network? Even this one. Although my spreadsheet got an, an upgrade this so month. I've now put in dollars and euros, as someone suggested. Oh, really? As in what different different alternative Currencies, amounts? yeah. To see how it varies. Because oh, we're thinking lots of the pound variations are just the pound being a bit silly. Oh, that's really clever. Um, does it make a big difference? As in, obviously, it does currency figure-wise, obviously, because of exchange rates. But... Does it well, you kind can of see help? when it's the pound getting weaker or stronger against the dollar, yeah. Might I might ask Mr. Worthy to that to do that, or it might well just blow his mind and ruin all his spreadsheets. So, <laughs> um, so in terms of in terms of new tips and and anything like that, what what have you learned lately? I know you've been learning Mandarin, but is there anything like specifically that you've you've learned that's really interesting? That's a good question. What was I going to answer for this? <laughs> 
think I told one of the stories that I learned. So what was oh yeah, what I, what I have learned recently, which is a really sad situation. But as I mentioned earlier, I've got an old cat that is seventeen years yeah. old. But what I have been realizing, yeah. you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can teach an old cat new tricks. Yeah. Oh, what tricks? He can now roll. He'll now roll over and let me rub, rub his belly on demand. <laughs> oh, and he gets nothing out of that, obviously. So he selflessly he, learning people tricks. People told me you couldn't t- teach an old cat new tricks, but you can. <laughs> oh, bless his cotton socks. Is he, is he, is yes. he a ginger Tom? Then is that where he's Tom, or is he? Is he? He is. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Oh, so I think the 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 next question is. Hindsight is amazing, but tell us, tell me one thing that you'd like to have done differently. I mean, whether that would be um, in the last year or so, or generally, you know, after you came into the fire community, is there anything you'd have done differently in your pre-fire yeah, life? Question, I think probably pre-fire, I could probably have, I suppose, sorted out life and sorted out my job earlier than I did. But I spent most of my twenties having fun instead of. <laughs> Concentrating on career and money and a plan forward. Well, possibly, yeah, definitely. But I'm not it's too that- worried. You know, I had a good time. Yeah, it sounds like you you lived pretty frugally anyway. I mean, you don't, you know, you didn't live flashy to begin with, so you didn't really have to I change. Didn't have much money, so it wasn't there wasn't really an option to live flashily. Good <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what I mean, if you were going to splurge on something or something that would make you like really happy or an extravagance, what That's would it probably be? Probably travel. To be honest, I quite like going to exciting places, and there's lots and lots of places on my list. But yeah, so so what about you? If you, if you could be in you know a happy place right now, where would you be happiest? Yeah, what I would think be I'm quite adaptable. Really. So I think it's just somewhere with good people, good friends, and. Where I can do whatever, have freedom to do whatever I want. But that's really nice. That's really, really nice that you have that. And you can just say, actually, now my life is great. And that you kind of are just content as is. And I think that's the best way to really do it. Because then you, you just go, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but then you already exactly, have what yeah. you want. There's definitely things I need to work on before I get to FI. Things like my minimalism problem, or what we call the lack of it. No, um, I think that that kind of brings us to the end of the the questions and the the agenda we had for today. Um, great. Thank you so much for coming on, Mrs. YFG, to interview me. <laughs> I know. It's like thank you for coming Just on to your own <laughs> podcast, Mister Yao. No, um, I really like the podcast so far. Like, I really enjoyed the the listening to it. Um, me and Mister YFG will sit there and. He'll, he'll put it on and we'll have a cup of tea or something. Because we have such an exciting life. We sound like really boring people right now. But, um, yeah. yeah so said she who's sitting in the sofa with the cat. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Show notes are on the website. www.ukfipod.space You can also send any questions through the website or email at hello at ukfipod.space Our intro and closing music is Julie Maxwell's Zia or Freedom. Thanks for listening. See you next time.